Welcome to the Abundant Grace Podcast, where we discuss the gospel, freedom in Christ, and victorious Christianity. My name is Emily Lewis, and I am so honored that you are here. Sometimes Christianity can feel complicated or become heavy. I'm here to lighten that load. I pray that the chats had on this broadcast will empower and encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Hello, friends. Welcome to today's episode of the Abundant Grace Podcast. Today, I wanted to share with you an interview from the Victorious Christian Conference that I hosted back in December. Rick Torreson just brought so much energy and life and wisdom and experience with this talk that I want to share it in this space also. So you'll hear me introduce Rick, and then we'll get into an interview about how we are created for more and how we can step into our God-given purpose. You can also check out Rick's other resources, particularly his Facebook group, where he talks a lot about our identity and what we were created for so that we can live like we really are created for more. I hope this is a blessing to you as it's been an encouragement to me too. Rick is first and foremost, a husband of 29 years and a father of two living in Houston, Texas. He is also an entrepreneur, author, speaker, catalyst, and trainer, pastoring and ministering for over 25 years across the greater Houston area. In 2018, Rick established Right Now Leadership, with works with, which works with executives, entrepreneurs, organizations, and teams around leadership development, conflict resolution, and communication impact training. Rick is known as a growth catalyst and helps individuals and organizations get from where they are now to where they desire to be. So thank you. I am excited to glean from your leadership. Hmm. Me too. (laughs) Hopefully it's good stuff. Awesome. So you like to say that we are made for more. Can we just jump into what does that look like for Christians? Yeah, absolutely. So um, little context. I didn't grow up in the church. Didn't step foot in the church till I was in my mid-20s. I never thought about the church. In fact, I was chasing a girl to Texas from the Midwest Um, got to Texas. Her dad challenged me within that first couple months I was here that if I wanted a relationship with his daughter, that I um, needed to get my life right with the Lord. My response to him was not verbally, but in my head, I am the Lord. And, you know, (laughs) it wasn't a rude thing. It was just, I never thought about it. That was never in my context. So I, I say that to open that with is, as I can look back over my life, and look at the journeys of my life and God's providence in my life. Um, And then my journey in faith of getting saved and then going into full-time ministry and being an educator and a coach. And Mm -hmm. I I realized in this journey that there was, I always had this desire of burning. There was something more that where I was in my life, wasn't the end of the story. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what it looked like. Um, Went through a lot of challenges, um, in, in my life, in my family, and just really felt like there was there was more, but I didn't know how to get there or what it was. And then as my faith developed and I pressed in in prayer and, and just in, with who God was and who I am, I realized that that we were all created in the image of God, in his likeness. And there is always more because we serve and we are created by um, an infinite God. 
Um, I, I'll say this real quickly. The, the picture I get is when in Revelation 4, when they're all around the throne. Mm-hmm. And it says that they're throwing their crowns down and bowing down and they're looking up at God and they see him. And it's like, oh my God. And they fall on their face in reverence again. And they get up and they're doing this for all eternity, all creation, you know, the elders, they're all. And I'm thinking how many of us, when we look at something for a while, we might be in awe of it, like the Grand Canyon, the first time we see it, but the thousandth time we see it, it's like, isn't that the same as what we've always seen? Mm-hmm. There's a point to this. The reality is no, because every time we look at God, we see a facet we've never seen before. Yeah. And every time we see that facet we've never seen before, we get overwhelmed with the awe of God, right? Mm-hmm. If that's true of God and he created us, then can't, isn't that true of us? The unending potential that we were created for more, and I say this, more influence and impact, more future and more hope. I don't know what the mores are for Carolyn or Nina or, or Jeanette, Stephanie, Rita, Anita, Sherry. I, I don't know, Kendra. I don't know what your more is. But I know that you were created for more. Mm-hmm. And my passion is to come alongside people to help them discover that more and then to walk in and realize that more that they were created for. Not more money, not more position, not more title, um, but more influence and impact in the world around us. And is it from a faith perspective? for the glory of God, mm-hmm. not for our own glory, not for our own righteousness or our own position, but purely for giving God glory by the way we live our lives in his image in the world that we're in. Does that make sense? Is that, yes. Yes. that kind of what you're asking? Yes. I think awesome. when we think we're made for more, we can get the idea that that's selfish or like, well, I don't really need to, it's extra, but if God has placed those desires in our heart, he wants us to have that, that more influence and that more authority to help people. I love that statement extra, right? Because that's what they're using right now. You just, you're extra. And I'm going, yes, (laughs) you are extra, right? Because in God, we are extra. We have just begun to tap in Mm. to all that, that he has given us. Our challenges, you know, that I've learned, Emily, is that Sometimes because of the experiences of our lives, the things that we've gone through, the challenges, um, the trials, the just whatever our past back here is, we've grabbed it and put it on as lenses to view our future through. And when we do that, we think that there isn't more because mm-hmm. we're defining our future based on our past. Our past was never meant to define our future. I, I say this a lot. It's meant to inform it and refine it, but not define it. And so if we can clean up the lens and realize that our past is informing us, refining us, but mm-hmm. not defining tomorrow. I, I tell people I have a program we call the blank page. Tomorrow hasn't been written. And so we get to write it. We may not write the circumstances, the environment we're in, but we get to write how we live in it, no matter what's going on around us. I'm thinking right. that's the more, that's that greater that is potentially within us if we trust God enough um, in what he created and what he said. Mm-hmm. Right. Because he wants us to have that more and gift that to us. So how do you practically like take people to that next? Like you're capable of more. Like, is it the blank page? Is it just like here? Yeah, I think there's a lot of ways it's personal for everyone, but it comes. So so part of what I believe is whether we believe there's more or not or whatever that more might be, right? Mm Because I can't tell you what everybody's is um, because it's unique. We are uniquely created in the image of God. There's no one like us. So our more is for us. Right. And it isn't like anyone else. So I think the journey to get there, um, the blank page is part of it. But really for me, everything starts with identity. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Everything starts with believing, not what the world says or our experiences say, but what God says. And so that's a mindset. We have to, we have to choose to engage what we think and what we believe, because you and I talked about this, what we believe impacts how we behave. Yeah. And so if we're not reaching our more, if we're not reaching the destiny, if we feel it, but we seem to keep getting stuck or hitting a wall or our wheels are spinning or we self-sabotage, whatever happens in our lives, right? And it just yeah. seems like we never can quite get to that place mm -hmm. that we feel or we had felt at one time. Because if we don't get there for long enough, we forget feeling it because we think that this is all that there is. Yeah. And we start believing the lie that says, this is all you were created for, but it's good. And I'm making an impact and I'm, and I'm a good dad and I'm a good wife or a mom or a friend. And we think, so that must be it. Because every time I try to go past that, I just run into a wall. Mm. And so it's, it's this mindset. If we don't like a behavior, if we don't, if we feel like we're not getting ahead, if we keep running into a wall, it's typically because there's a belief that we have that we don't even know we have anymore. And we call it normal. And until we allow God to redefine that normal for us, that we don't define normal by our terms, but by his, mm -hmm. his normal is not our normal, right? But unless we open that up and realize that there's a greater normal, we're going to settle for wherever we are, whether it could be good, we could be doing really, and it's still good, but there's still more, mm -hmm. right? So it, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't really matter. And so for me, the starting point is really helping people discover and tap back into the identity of their createdness. Mm -hmm. I talk about positive statements. We were doing a thing at the first year and it's an I am statement and it's declarations and saying, I am, um, I am hopeful. I am beautiful. I am capable. I am. Mm -hmm. And I have people do a hundred of those. They have to come up with a hundred. Wow. Some of you in the, in the, the thing here might be going 100. Yeah. And, and, and we can get to about 30, 40, 45, 50. Right. And then we're like, okay, I, I can't think of any more. And I'm like, uh -huh. really? Only 30 or 40? And so we go through the process and I press them until they come up with 100 mm. positive I am statements over their lives. And they're overwhelmed by that. Yeah. Right. And, and so they realize there, there is more to me, more of my understanding, more that God says than I have understood. Mm. Does, does that does that make sense? So yes. a lot of that begins with the self, a, a personal vision of our lives, our own values that we live our lives through that drive us um, are really a lot of the foundational pieces to where I start um, with people and helping them build a roadmap, right? Because that's really what it is. How do you build that roadmap to your more? But if you don't know what the more is, if you can't define the destination, how do you ever know if you've arrived? Mm. True. And so part of that is helping to define that more, what it might look like, not necessarily what we do, but what we were created for, the influence and impact that we were created to have, no yes. matter what we choose to do. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Yes. Yes. Okay. I'll I think, stop because I can just no, keep going. So. Yeah. I love it. I love it. It's firing me up. So we get to that wall and we say, oh, that's our boundary. And we just like give up. And I can, I can look back at my life and go, oh yeah, I think Maybe I wasn't meant to do this. We all face those, it seems like cyclical patterns of once we come up against a certain fear or a certain resistance, we go, oh, wait, this must be the end of my more. <laughs> like, how does, I love how you talk about identity and our belief of who we are. Like, how can we let who Jesus says we are get us past those hurdles and say, no, I'm not stopping. This fear doesn't get to rule. Well, that's, you know, that's an easy thing to talk about and say. The reality is it's really hard to do. 
Mm. Right. Um, and, and as we're talking, I would love, I've got the chat. Are they able to chat? Yes. Yes. So I would love for you guys to chat any feedback or thoughts that you're hearing me say or any questions, jump those in. And I'd love to work that in. So we're really touching on stuff, but, mm-hmm. but here, Emily, the challenge is, I don't know if there's one easy answer for that, except because it's, it's simple. Well, that's what God says. So just believe what he says and walk it out and it'll all be okay. I'm thinking, yeah, if it was that easy, that may be a true statement. It's a truth. But there's still flesh on these bones. There's still humanity within this that has a spirit in it. And this humanity, because we live in a fallen and broken world, no matter how good our family was or positive our experience, there's still places that this flesh wants to gravitate to the flesh. Mm-hmm. It's a selfish entity apart from the spirit of God. Right. And that, and that leads us down roads and pathways and situations and stuff that are challenging because when we live there so long, it goes back to calling it normal. We just think this is what it is. Mm-hmm. So I've done a lot of work with battered women. Um, my daughter went through a season of, of younger where she was just in a battered relationship, right? And she kept going back. And, and, and you guys, some of you may, may be able to relate to this. And I, and I would, my naivety would say, well, how could you go back? Every time you go back or you give them up and you find another person that's just as bad. And I'm thinking, don't you see, I mean, can't you understand the pattern here? And when I started digging in and having the conversations, this is true about anything. They said, I know you tell me what it looks like to be whole or to be loved rightly or what it looks like over here, but I've never experienced Mm. it. So it's not real to me. I intellectually believe that you're saying something is true, but the reality of my life has never experienced that. So I have a hard time making that jump over there and believing it and staying there because I'm just waiting for it to blow up. Right. You know, I'm just waiting it for to, and so we we it's a self fulfilling prophecy, right? We have a negative des. I don't ever want to be in this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. And when we do a negative goal, we usually end up in the negative. Right. So we are running from something instead of running to something. So when we're running away from something, we always end up back at the thing we're running away from. Typically, mm. it, it it's weird how that works, but that's our mind and our psyche, our our, our emotion, our soul talking to us and we're replaying the what we don't want. Mm-hmm. But if we don't know what we do want and what God says, and it's not repeated over time mm-hmm. and worked into it. So here's, a, I'm jumping around a little bit, but here's the other part of that. If we're in a challenging place a not healthy place, a broken, a wounded place, whatever it might be, we're in a hard place. and We didn't get there overnight. Mm-mm. It took, it was a building up and a compounding that got us to where we are. But then we have a revelation. We have an encounter with God. We, we get an epiphany. We get this aha moment. And our intellect and our heart, our spirit align and they grab a truth. Right? Mm-hmm. And so we know that this is true and this isn't anymore. Right. So our intellect and our spirit aligned and we said, here's a revelation that's true. The problem is my soul, which is my mind, will, and emotions, hasn't aligned with my spirit yet. So my will... My flesh still has to be conditioned and trained to agree mm-hmm. with my spirit. Right. And that doesn't happen. It's the forgiveness thing. We've done this before. My wife would come to me and she'd say, or I would go to my wife and say, will you forgive me for acting a fool and doing X, Y, Z? And I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to do that. Here's what I'm going to do to change. She says, yes, I forgive you. Three days later, I do the exact same thing. What do we do? We disqualify the forgiveness because he said, well, you said you didn't want to do it anymore and, and that you wanted forgiveness, but yet three days, and I'm thinking that doesn't disqualify it. Mm. It might, but 
normally it doesn't. I really don't want to do that anymore. Right. But my pattern of behavior for 50 years of my life has moved me in that. And it doesn't stop just because my spirit and my, and my intellect aligned. Right. I have to work on changing the behavior, which takes time and help. Mm-hmm. and patience and repentance, a lot of repentance and a lot yeah. of, you know, uh, uh, the right repentance, not the shame repentance, but the repentance from love that leads to transformation. Mm-hmm. And so we have to have grace to move our, our flesh under that alignment of that spirit. Mm-hmm. But without the aha, the revelation, we won't, we won't ever, there's nothing to align it to without the destination that God gives us the picture of our more of who we are. If we don't have, if we don't have that, then we don't have a place for an aha. And then we don't have a place to shift our behavior. Right. I, hope, I don't know if that's too much. I hope yeah. that guys help me if that makes sense to you guys. I hope, mm-hmm. uh, I hope that's, I didn't confuse you on that one. Sorry. So basically if we know something in our head, we need to then start putting it into practice to rewire like what we're actually believing because Our life experiences have told us it works this way, but we want to believe this instead. And so we, we have to actively pursue um, the change. Is that what, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, it it is, but it's more than an intellectual agreement. And that was Mm -hmm. what I talked about the revelation, right? We all have intellectual knowledge that knows right from wrong or truth or that this, you don't have to tell me that that be that relationship that was abusing me was a wrong relationship. I know it. I mean, deep down, I know it's abuse. I know it's not healthy. So intellectually, I understand it, but there's something deeper than that that's keeping me in that place. Mm-hmm. And so, if there's a behavior that we don't like and we want to change it, we have to go to the source of what the belief was. When we go to the, where the belief, what the belief is that's causing us to act that way, we have to go to where the source of that belief was. How did the belief get there? What was it that I took on or did or happened to me at some point right. that I began to believe this? Maybe it was when I was a child and my parents or someone was always saying, you know, you're never going to amount to anything or just you're not going to be any good at that or don't try to do, you know. And so I started believing that and it started playing out in my life. Right. Spiritually, because this is a spiritual endeavor that we're on. Right. It's not our flesh and blood. It's not our will. We can't get ourselves there. God gives us a process where we can identify the source of the lie that we took on, Mm. repent of our part in believing it, right? give forgiveness to those who perpetrated it. Mm -hmm. But we had a role in, we may not have had a role in it when I was five, when I was abused by my babysitter. But when I'm 25 and I'm living in a way from that abuse, I have a choice then. Yeah. Right. And then I have to own that. I can't keep saying, well, because I was abused by my babysitter, I'm going to treat women the rest of my life this way. No, I don't sin. God doesn't allow something that was bad done to us to then us justify doing something bad to someone else. Right. It it doesn't, but we live that we know that intellectually isn't true, but we live that way. Mm -hmm. Right. And we don't realize it. So we have to get to where did that belief come from? What was happening and why did I take it on? Mm -hmm. Repent of the belief, but that goes to scripture, right? We clean the house. Yeah. But I have to put back in the godly belief. So I have to get out ungodly belief right. or the lie and put in a truth. And now I need to repeat that truth over and over and walk in it and get support around me to give me grace as I'm moving into owning that truth and what that looks like in my life. And that's that's just God can do it in an instant. He's done that once in my life in an area. But most of it, I have had to work out with fear and trembling with Mm -hmm. a community to support me in the process. 
that, does that help? Is that yes, answer yes. kind of what you're asking? Yeah, I think so. And it looks like other people it's landing, making sense. Um, can you address Nina's question about uh, identifying the limiting beliefs that are holding us back? So she knows mm -hmm. that there's something holding her back, but doesn't know like what it is or yeah. how to overcome it. Yeah. It's, um, it's hard because it's not a, it's, it's not something you just, boom, there it is. Right. It's the yep. process of, first of all, Nina, what I would say to you in, in, and I don't know you at all. I don't know the situation, but I know situations like this is we have to be willing to go there. And I tell some people, you know what, maybe you're not ready to address that or to go there, to think through that. Mm -hmm. We have to first be willing to say, I need to dig in and figure out where that came from and what it is. Because I can see the behavior from the belief. And if I can see the behavior and I see the pattern of the behavior, that every time I get this close to something, I run away. Or every time I get this close to something, I sabotage myself. Or we, we can see the pattern. So then we start saying, okay, what's, what's typical in that pattern? What's happening? And what's my thought when I begin to sabotage or pull away or withdraw or whatever? What am I thinking? Okay, so now I've identified that. I'm thinking I'm not good enough. Or I'm thinking I'm not um, smart enough. Or I'm thinking I, um, this was never meant to be or God's not in there. I, I have some thought about it that keeps, is the wall I'm hitting. Mm -hmm. Then I have to be willing to dig in and say, okay, so I'm understanding what I'm believing and the lie. Where, did I, where do I first remember experiencing that lie? Mm -hmm. I, I, now I've got to dig in. It could be with a family member that I love. It could be with a friend. It could be a stranger. It could be a moment. It could be that one single moment that was a one-off with a stranger, but it just hit me in such a way when I was 16 or when I was five or when I was 30 that it just stuck with me. And from there on, I just kind of started moving this way. Mm -hmm. So you have to go, where do I first remember that happening, me acting like this. Where's the? Where's my first remembrance of it? Mm -hmm. When I do that, I can begin to understand the circumstances and the environment. And for me, it's beginning to, at that moment, beginning to release those things that I'm recognizing through forgiveness, forgiving myself and asking God to forgive me for believing this or taking this thought on. Because God, I know you say this, right? But I'm saying this. So God, forgive me for saying I'm never going to be anything. Lord, I don't quite know where that came from, but I don't want to believe that anymore. Mm -hmm. So forgive me for believing it. I'm choosing to believe what you say. Now, Holy Spirit, Lord, help me understand why do I believe? Where did that come from? Mm -hmm. And let him speak to us, but you've got to be willing to let him speak. And then because a lot of times we may have thoughts and memories that we hadn't had because we've repressed them. We bothered them. We've just chosen not to because they were painful. And here's what I... I told my daughter and some others is that you can't go around over or under your, to get to your future. Mm. You've got to go through. Yeah. But to go, you have to go through to go up. There's no way to go up to get to the more without going through. Mm. We want to short circuit it. We want to go around it. We want to go under or over or somehow forget about it and think it's not there until someone hits that little button in us and it comes out and we're going, Oh my God, where did that come from? Yeah. Right. And we're like, yeah. oh, that hasn't been in there forever. No, it's been in there forever. <laughs> We've just avoided it, buried it, choose to think because it's out of sight, out of mind. You know, we do all of those things. Mm -hmm. But if we it's spiritual, we are spiritual beings. We have soul ties and spiritual connections in our lives. They're just real. It's good and bad. Right. If we don't recognize that that's there, 
then we think just because it's not touching us or we don't feel it or it's not pressing in or I'm not blowing up or I'm not angry hardly at all anymore, that then it's gone. But if we've never dealt with it, then it's not gone. Here's the other thing I'd say real quickly, because here's what some people do. Well, I thought I dealt with it. And then they negate what they did in the past. Please, y'all need to hear me. Any work you've done in this journey in, through other counseling or help has all been viable, real, true, and you've made progress. It doesn't mean it's done, but mm -hmm. it doesn't just because I dealt with my anger and I haven't had anger for so long. And then all of a sudden I have anger and anger was one of my issues and it, I blow up and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't, where'd that come from? And then we go, but I went through this. I dealt with everything. And now mm -hmm. we go, well, I must not have dealt with it. It must not have been real. I must not have really made changes because this is no, no, that was real. You dealt with what you were able to deal with, which gave you a level of freedom. Now you're sitting in another place where God's saying it's time to deal with that. Right. And he gives us the grace to deal with that. So it's yes. always forward movement. Don't disqualify or discredit where you've been because you see it again. Mm -hmm. God gives you grace. Give yourself some grace. Yeah. And realize everything, as long as you're desiring to go, is movement that's forward to becoming mm -hmm. what you're called to be. It's all doesn't doesn't matter how big the step is. Right. Just take one. Yes. It's OK. Yes. Even if you're shuffling your feet, you know, the, the old man just going, <laughs> that's okay. it's still movement. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I just keep, I keep rambling. I don't mind at all. Okay. I, I think that's <laughs> awesome. Uh, so taking that next step can be, like, well, who we believe we are in Christ. Like that informs our relationship with him and believing that he wants us to take more step, the next step and for more. Can you talk about how that influences our connection with him and our relationship with him? Ask, ask that again. Let me, let me, yeah. I was reading what Anita was okay. saying. Go so, ahead. No, go ahead. I, okay. I think it, I can, I think I tie, it can tie together, but and, to ask me what you're asking me again. Okay. So knowing what, or believing what we believe about God and letting that inform, like he wants me to take the next step and he, I believe I'm made for more. How does that impact how we relate to him? Well, I think that's an interesting question. I'm not, hmm. How does that impact how we relate to him? I think how we relate to him is impacted by how we see him and define him. Right. By our past experiences that somehow that, that we've had good and bad that we then lay over God as if that's who and what he is. We have to remember that we serve and we're created by an infinite God and we are finite beings. Mm -hmm. So, so this God who created us in, in all through scripture talks about who we are, identity, our future, our hope, his desire, his jealousy, his passion, his thought. Psalm one, I'll tell you guys all this. Psalm 139. If you don't do anything else, go dig into Psalm 139 and read it as if it is a letter to you. Because it's David who God says in that, he says, um, at the front of me, he says, God, you have searched me and you have known me. And then he goes into this whole litany where God says, let me tell you about you, my thoughts for you. You can't hide from me. You can't run. He just, he just blows David up with this. Do you understand what I say about you? Yeah. And, and I think it just had to blow David away, right? Where he was just saying, let me make sure you understand what I say. So I encourage you to go read Psalm 1 today. He ends with this. He ends that whole encounter with God, which is worship, which is powerful, which is identity. He ends it kind of like he started. Remember in the front of it, he says, 
God, you have searched me and known me, yet you love me. And he says, yeah, yet I love you. Let me tell you, in all that I've Mm -hmm. known you, here's what I think about you. Mm -hmm. And then David comes out of that experience and he says this, now, Lord, search me, present tense, and try me, know me, and show me if there's any wicked way in me or Mm -hmm. evil or brokenness in me. Why would David come out of this incredible worship encounter with God, where he just spoke life over him and declared his identity and come out in a repentant attitude? Now search me and show me because this David realized that he didn't want anything to get in the way of his relationship with God. Yeah. And any sin hinders our relationship. And so his cry to him was a heart of repentance out of worship, not condemnation, shame or guilt, Mm -hmm. but out of jealousy for that encounter he just had Mm. because he was jealous not to lose that encounter. And so he knew his natural man, the flesh he still had is bent towards stupidity (laughs) <laughs> you know, I mean, yep. it just is. So he realized I'm going to come before this God and say, Lord, search me and show me anything that's hindering our relationship together. That's out of love, not guilt or shame or condemnation. Mm-hmm. Then he's quiet and he listens. This is what I tell people, because if we do that from a pure heart, God's going to show us the things. When I first started going through Psalm 139 and doing this, I would end my day every day at night. I would end my night before I went to sleep, just in my mind and sitting on my bed saying, Lord, is there anything today that's hindering my, that I did or said, that's hindering my relationship with you? Anything keeping me mm-hmm. from you? And I would just lay there. And every once in a while, I'd get an impression, right? I remember the first time it was an impression about how I had spoken to my wife mm-hmm. that morning. Mm-hmm. And I'm laying there in bed. I think she's already asleep. And my conversation with God in my head was, well, God, that's how I speak to her every morning. And he goes, exactly. Ooh. And I was like, oh, and I started thinking about it. And I realized that was not honoring. It was, it wasn't, I didn't mean anything by it, but I meant everything by it. So I rolled over, I woke her up and I said, listen, I need you to forgive me. She's asleep. You know, I'm doing one of those. What? Yeah. Okay. Whatever. I'm saying, no, you don't understand. This isn't about you. It's about me and him. And right now I need to do business to keep my relationship with him. Right. That means I got to do business with you. Yeah. So I need to come to you and I need to ask you, and it's not about you. And it's, it's, I'm not looking to justify. I don't need you. I just forgive me for how I spoke to you. It wasn't okay. And I don't want to be that person and I'm going to do my best not to. Will you help me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She went back to sleep and I laid there and I felt this overwhelming presence of God said, that's what I'm after. A lifestyle of repentance that isn't will, that is willing to say to me, just show me out of love, worship, not condemnation. Yes. Right. Out of worship, Lord, what is in, what is anything I'm doing in our way? Mm Because I don't want anything to hinder that. What's David's thing? The one thing I desire, this one thing I seek to be found in the presence of God all the days of my life. He's a king. He's running a nation. He's got armies. Yet he's saying the one thing I desire. So we can do both. We can be very busy. We can be mm-hmm. professionals. We can be. We can live this crazy world and have this presence of relationship with God in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. Possible. Right. I don't know if that if that answered it at all, but, yes. but for me, that's it's it's out of worship and love jealous for the presence of God because he's the one that has every answer jealous for that knowing that the only way that anything gets in the way is what I do yes. and and so I may have a, a bad parent a bad friend a bad spouse a bad a bad that happened to me I couldn't control that I was a victim in a moment and this is what Anita said I was a victim to someone else's actions but I'm not a victim to the response because my response and how I'm going to rise up, is my choice. I might not have been able to control what you did to me, 
but I do get to control how I live out of it. Mm -hmm. And if we don't understand that and we take this victim mentality, we have an umbilical cord tied to this abuser and they may be long gone. They may never think about us again in their lives. My babysitter that abused me, it's five years old. She was long out of my life. I'm in my 20s and I still have this umbilical cord attached to that because of what has was done to me and I was the victim. So therefore all women will be, Mm. but this person had no clue, but I've spent 20 years attached to that person. Mm -hmm. And it was my choice. I had the ability to sever that because they're never going to come back. They're never going to say they're sorry. They're never going to, they might, but if I'm waiting for them to do something for my freedom, I'm never going to have it. Yeah. So God gives us a way. Mm-hmm. To set ourselves free, he'll deal with the perpetrators. That's his job for justice. Yeah. My job is freedom. And, and this goes back to the first question. I'll just jump right back around. We were created for more. How do we get to the more? By aligning ourselves with the spirit of God and understanding we're responsible for me and my relationship with him. And I'm going to be jealous for that. And I'm going to take control of that relationship in mm. pursuit of him. And from there, does that make sense? I yes. can experience the more. And now I don't have these umbilical cords or these hooks. Last, last analogy, fishing. I used to go fishing. Fish hooks had barbs on them. Mm-hmm. You get, you could, I, I got hooked before. Like, I don't know if you've ever been hooked by a fishing, but you get hooked. And if you try to pull it out, it hurts more mm. than when it went in because it's got that barb on it. It won't let you pull it out. Right. Forgiveness cuts the barb off. The problem is we've gone through forgiveness and we've cut the barb, but we still have the hook in there. We didn't realize, just pull it out. It won't hurt. So we leave it attached but we've been set free, but we don't realize it. So we're still stuck there. And the reality is the barbs cut. Just, it's okay. Just trust me, remove it and walk in your calling. Believe what I'm saying and take that step. And you'll realize, oh my gosh, it is cut. It's not there anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. Yep. Yep. Uh, I would love to hear from Anita and see if that, yeah, answered her question. Cause I don't know. I know that I have approached, uh, repentance from a shame standpoint. I know that and trying to move past that, but I don't know if I've ever really thought of that in, in the context of worship. Like, uh, so what is that leads us to repentance? It, it's our, awe the it's the kindness of God. Yeah. Repentance always comes from love. If you're repenting out of shame, guilt, or condemnation, it's the enemy and you won't be free. Yeah. The Lord brings, he brings conviction. All of you, everyone on here, you, you know, when you felt condemned, have you ever felt condemned or criticized, right? You felt, you know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. Then we think we need to repent. We've done something wrong. We carry this weight. Criticism, condemnation, rejection are from the enemy. They lead to death. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit and it leads to life. You've also felt convicted about something. God's spirit brings conviction. Conviction is for the purpose of freedom and life more. But we have confused condemnation, shame, guilt, criticism as conviction, and it's not. And anytime you start feeling those things, you need to reject those and push. Now, there may be something you need to deal with, but don't receive that because that's not going to lead you to freedom. That's only going to lead you to bitterness, isolation, depression. It's going to pull us away not pull us forward. Does, mm-hmm. yes. I hope you guys yep. I hope you guys are hearing that because we confuse that. Mm-hmm. Repentance is always an act of worship. Forgiveness is always a place of worship and it's about me being jealous for my relationship with God. 
Yeah. Not for my restoration. There's another thing. I just need to say this. Repentance does not equal reconciliation. They're mm. not supposed to. They're two separate things. They're both important. Right. But repentance and forgiveness is for your freedom. It opens a door for potential reconciliation, but it doesn't mean you have to. God doesn't say because you've repented and forgiven, you should be that person's best friend again. And no, 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 no. No. Right? It's your doing for your relationship to open the door for your freedom and your more. If recon, recon, say, reconciliation can never happen without it, but it, they don't equal the same thing. And too many of us have believed that if I forgive them, I've got to be their best friend again. Mm. Or if I repent, then I've got, no, no, no. Maybe you should, maybe you can, but they don't mean the same thing. Right. I hope that's helpful for oh, somebody. That's a crazy important distinction. I think gets missed. Uh, people are afraid of forgiveness. Like you just yes. touched on because we think it's like an all encompassing package and it's just not. Yeah. And there's timing and forgiveness and God's merciful in that. Um, the first thing is dealing with us a lot. The other thing we do with forgiveness is we're waiting for, we're thinking we, we do this thing with forgiveness. I do a whole teaching on biblical repentance and forgiveness. The problem we do is I'll say to you, let's say Emily, I, you're, we're together. We, you mess. You know, I did something wrong, right? Um, and so I'll come and say, or no, let's let me do it this way. Let's say you acted in a way that was inappropriate, right? And I come and say, and you say, "Will you forgive me?" And I, I forgive you, but this is I act this way because of the way you talk and the way you do this and the way you do that. That's why I did that. Mm. So forgive me for um, being rude to you, but I really need you to change how you talk to me. That's not forgiveness, Mm-mm. right? And but we what we think it is. Forgiveness is we need to deal with the issue, period, not anything else. So it's it would be, Emily, forgive me for the way I talk and the way I act. Now, you may act a fool, right? You may act and do stuff that's really offensive and frustrating. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't justify my response. So my forgiveness is owning my response, not your behavior. Yes. And so if I'm thinking that I do that and I want to put it on you so that you'll then repent and then we'll all be okay, it doesn't... My freedom's not tied up in your repentance Mm-mm. and your for- seeking forgiveness. My freedom is tied up in mine and God's. I can be free without your help. Mm-hmm. It would be nice if we played together. But yeah. My freedom's not dependent on someone else's action ever. Mm-hmm. Right. I, hope, I hope that's helpful to yes, some people. Yes. We don't need to be held back. Because there is more available and whether that's past experiences or a wall that we come up against. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I hope that's helpful. I mean, it's, it's been a lifetime journey of me living this. It's not theory, right? This is practice. It's me failing at it and pressing in and realizing I'm not free. And why do I keep going back to this? And my mom was dying of cancer. I know we've got to go. And I remember going up to see her in Wisconsin. I drove up there and I wanted to have a con- real deep conversation. Just it was, it was a single mom growing up, a lot of chat. I loved her. She loved me. But man, we were at each other a lot, a mm. lot of stuff. So I remember going, I was learning this process, but didn't have it figured out. And I went there and said, mom, will you forgive me for not honoring you as my mom? And I was frustrated. And I, you know, these, I was sharing this stuff. Would you please forgive me? And, but I went on and I said, will you please forgive me? Because you weren't there in my life. And I made these decisions. We, and I kind of put the shame on her. Mm. And she told me her response, because her and the Lord were doing a lot of good work together. She said, Rick, I've forgotten about that. None of that's important to me anymore. I, it's all okay, right? That's not what I wanted to hear. 
I said all that because I wanted her to say, Rick, I'm so sorry. Right. I didn't realize I hurt you. Forgive me for hurting you and abandoning you and not being. I was driving back to Texas from Wisconsin. I didn't get a mile down the road, pulled off the side of the road and started throwing up. I felt so nauseous. And God showed me, said, you went and asked for forgiveness, hoping that she would give you what you thought you needed to get free. That wasn't forgiveness. She was already free. Mm-hmm. And I just, I broke in tears. I drove back to the hospital. And my mom had a great, we just really worked it out. But it was me telling her, pure and simple, didn't matter what she did. I did not honor my mom. Doesn't matter what she did. I didn't honor my mom. I didn't treat her the way I should have. I didn't respect her as the authority of the mother. Doesn't matter what she did. Yeah. That's another conversation. I didn't. Mm -hmm. And I had to own that. And when I did that, the, the, the deal with my mom and I, we were always close, but God just showed up in the middle of our relationship mm. and said, this is what it looks like. Right. And so that's been my contention and contending my life is to help people understand that and that process of owning us. Mm-hmm. Right. Anyway, I know we're, I know we're at the end of our time. That's all right. Thank you. Uh, I think people, this is really resonating. It sounds like, and they would like to get more resources from you. So can you tell us about any other resources that you feel led to? Mm -hmm. The other thing I would invite you to, if you want a dialogue with this, is my private Facebook group, which is called Created for More. You have to ask to join. It is Facebook. um, What is it? It's facebook.com slash groups, because it's a group. And then it's forward slash I am created for more. So I'll put it, I'll put it in the chat. I got it. Okay. I think. There you go. That's the book. And then the facebook.com groups, I am created for more. If you go there and ask to join, that's just where we're living this out. I started that group a few months ago and, and we're having conversations. We're working on mindset. We're just, and I think you just jumped in, Emily. I don't know if you had a chance to see it. So we're just engaging and that's a place where you can learn and touch base with me. There's some other books. There's another book I wrote a long time ago called The Power of Our Posture. And it talks about some of this stuff that, that God's after our posture of our heart, mm-hmm. not, not the, just our words, right? right? It's the heart posture. And so I'll be glad to give you guys any resources and things that we're doing um, in any way I can help you. The best way to do that is through that Created for More group. Awesome. Thank you so much, yeah. Rick. I, I love how you just give and you don't hold back. Uh, just. Yeah. Darren. I can't help myself. I love yeah. it. And I hope yeah. I was a blessing to you guys. It was good to see Kendra on here. So Kendra and I is a mutual friend of ours. And, and the rest of you guys, I look forward to getting to know. And please reach out to me. You can put my my email as well, which yeah. is rick at ricktourison.com. If you want to reach out to me directly and just talk about this some more, um, this is what I do. I do coaching, personal life coaching and stuff, but rick at ricktourison.com. Send me a note. Remind me that you were in this conversation. Right, so right, I can right. put a context to it. And yeah. I'd be glad to, to serve you in any way I can. So Emily, thank you so much. Yes, you're welcome. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Abundant Grace Podcast. I would love it if you would share this episode with a friend so that they can hear this encouragement and be empowered in their walk with Jesus as well. It would also mean the world to me if you would leave a rating and review on Apple for the Abundant Grace podcast. It really does make a world of difference in getting this podcast into other people's ears so they can 
be equipped in their relationship with God as well. As always, I would love to hear your thoughts on this week's episode. You can find me hanging out on Instagram, emily.abundantgrace, or you can send me an email, hello at emilyklewis.com. That's emily, the letter K, L-O-U-I-S.com. And until next week, remember that God's grace abounds and won't ever run out.